Hey, welcome to the Pittsburgh City Paper Podcast, or PGHCPPC for short. My name's Alex Gordon. In today's show, I'm sitting down with editor Charlie Deach, City Paper sports columnist, comedian, and radio co-host Mike Waisaki, and most importantly, Demetrius Thorne, who some of you may know as Fake Pedro. He's the Buccos fan who looks a lot like Pedro Alvarez and made a name for himself over the past few years dressing up like the first baseman at games. We don't really name our panels, but if we did, this one would be called The Real Demetrius. Really wish I had thought of that during the panel. And lastly, I'm going to debut my new segment where I interview somebody that basically has nothing to do with Pittsburgh or news or really anything at all. My first subject is Josh Fadum. He's a comedian and an actor. You might know him from 30 Rock. He played Liz Lemon's Agent Simon. He's also on Better Call Saul, and he recently put out a controversial masterpiece called Space Jam 2. He's a lovely guy, so stick around for that. Lastly, if you're looking for a party like it's 1979 beer koozie, or a Raise the Jolly Roger tank top, or a Cole 45 shirt, Tweet your favorite moment from today's episode to PGH City Paper, and we'll let you have your pick while supplies last. In terms of favorite moments, maybe this one will be it. True story, when I was in college, I was uh, playing ladder ball while tailgating at a uh, Pirates game, and the Jolly Roger mascot dude was walking around, mingling, as he does. And when I went, you know, it was my turn, and when I went to throw the ladder balls, he, he caught it in midair, and then he threw it down on the ground, and then he gave me the suck it gesture, and everybody in the parking lot laughed. And I was wearing a Pirates shirt. It made no sense. Anyway, this is PGHCPPC. Thank you for listening. Stick around. City Paper editor Charlie Deach has returned from covering Pirates spring training in Bradenton, Florida. And our Pittsburgh Pirates preview issue hits City Paper boxes today. In it, you'll find scenarios for the upcoming season and talk about Andrew McCutcheon moving up a batter's spot. Today on our panel, Charlie joins us, and we also have comedian, radio co-host, and City Paper sports columnist Mike Waisaki, and super Pirates fan Demetrius Thorne. Thanks for being here, everybody. Thanks for having me. How's it going, Alex? Enjoy. Very good, very good. Charlie, uh, welcome back. And also, among the things that you did while covering spring training was talk to Pirates infielder Jung Ho Gung. Let's take a listen to this before we dive in. Talk a little bit about um, what your first season was like in Pittsburgh. Talk about getting used to playing, you know, in the U.S. and what, what that first year experience was like for you. Jimmy cool. All my teammates and coaching staff, they, they made me comfortable here. Uh, fantastic fans back in back in Pittsburgh, and I had, a lot, I had a lot of fun last year. Do you have any favorite spots in Pittsburgh, places you'd like to go, places you just for fun or to eat or things like that? Any Tacos, tacos. Smoke tacos. Smoke Shout out to uh, Smoke Norrisville, <laughs> best tacos in town. <laughs> Um, what, what are your expectations for the coming season? What, what, what's going to make a successful season for you? 어떤 성적을 걸지는 모르겠지만 어 그래도 또 좋은 팀메이트들과 함께 또 같이 하니까. I don't know how my numbers are going to turn out, but my focus is to 
to you know enjoy the ride and uh, help the team win and help the teammates win. All right, Charlie. So Gung is making a return after a pretty serious yeah. uh, season-ending knee injury last year. How did he look? I oh, looked good. Uh, actually, the day I was down there, the second day I was down there was the first day he took ground balls, and uh, he looked good. He looked comfortable, as he said, out there at the, at third base. Um, yeah, he looks good. He looks ready to go. I think. I mean, he played five innings of a minor league game today, uh, as we're speaking. Um, so yeah, he's. I think he's coming along. I think he'll be back mid-April. Cool. Can you tell us a little bit more about what's coming up in this issue that's coming out today? This is kind of a, I feel anyway, it's a pivotal year for the Pirates. They've had three years of success after 20 years of shit. So <laughs> I think that, uh, you know, it, I, I, they've had the wild card three years in a row. They were went to the, uh, uh, they advanced one year. I think that this is the year that I think is going to be crucial for them to either take that next step or I do have a fear that um, that they might fall off again because they didn't do a lot in the offseason. And so that's a question. So, uh, we have that story, and then um, we also talked to uh, Pirates pitcher Jeff Locke. We talked to Andrew McCutcheon and uh, Clint Hurdle about how you uh, how you make decisions based on data versus kind of gut feelings. And then um, Mike wrote a piece for us, uh, the 15th anniversary PNC Park team, which we can talk about, and Demetrius, who is known by some as fake Pedro Alvarez. He wrote sort of a farewell letter to to Pedro, which I thought – Turned out fantastically. So that's what we have in, uh, and some extra stuff online. So it should be good. Very cool. All right, Mike, you want to tell us a little bit about uh, your piece and uh, what prompted you to write it? Um, just being the 15th year, I was just thinking about who the best players are at each position. A couple were obvious, like center field. You know who that is without any question. The toughest part, I think, was the starting pitching. Basically, the three starting pitchers we had last year are the best of the last 15 years. <laughs> yeah, uh, Cole, Ariano, yeah. and Burnett. And then after that, a significant drop-off. You could say that. <laughs> I didn't know where to go. Just I had to go basically by numbers and give Paul Mulholland number four. He, I think he was maybe 20 games under 500 here, <laughs> yeah. something like that. But he pitched okay, good enough to make the list. And then kind of Chris Benson by default. I mean, I didn't, I'm John Van Benscoten. I don't know who else he could possibly have put in there. Zach Duke, Oliver Perez, each had like a good year and a half to a year and three quarters, but that was it. But I mean, the rest of the team's not bad if you had them in your prime with an outfield of like Bay and, you know, McCutcheon. And then that would, that would be a pretty good team. It's just they didn't have them all at the right time. Jack Wilson, I, I wish we had him now. Like, and he would be, a, he's a yeah. solid defense and he hits about 270, 280. That's mm. exactly what they need. Mercer's okay, but I'd like this maybe, I don't know, get somebody else in there. <laughs> <laughs> and then the closer is easy, too, because Melanson's yeah, the yeah. best they've had maybe ever. All right, moving on. Uh, Demetrius, you want to tell us a little bit about this farewell thank you letter that you wrote to Pedro? <laughs> well, I, uh, I was asked to write it. I figured. Hey, why not? It just kind of makes sense. He wrote a goodbye to all of us, so why not write some heartfelt type of thing to him? Um, I don't know. I was just thanking him for not thinking I was absolutely nuts. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, thanking his wife for, you know, thinking I wasn't absolutely nuts. There's a um, theme here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just didn't want people thinking I was nuts. Um, but, yeah, it was mostly just that. For those who don't know, uh, can you explain a little bit how you got the name Fake Pedro and uh, a little bit of background on that story? Uh, what happened is I decided somebody had told me, it was one of my mother's work friends, that uh, I could be his brother. 
So I decided one time to buy a jersey, some pants, and just dress up and see if a Halloween costume would actually be in the works. And when I went there, everybody went nuts. The players were going nuts. As I was walking through uh, left field, there's little kids coming up like, oh, have a great game. I'm like, oh, no. My mother was just laughing, walking behind me like, this is going to be so weird. So uh, he, he had a home run. I want to say it was like four RBI that day or something. He went crazy, and the, and the Pirates won like nine to two. And so uh, his wife tweeted me and said, you can do that again. And I was like, I guess. So did it again, and they won again, and he had another good game again. So then I was like, well, this seems to be a thing. And then people were telling me, don't take it off. Just keep doing it. <laughs> so, you know, I go to the ballpark for seven straight games dressed as Pedro, and they were nuts for four of those games at least. And then it just caught on, and everything went uphill, I guess, from there. I hmm. uh, got to do some really cool stuff. <laughs> but uh, I, it, it was it was just a Halloween costume idea that went, that went, I guess you could say, like, hmm. live viral. It was nuts. <laughs> <laughs> it was just really weird. Was there any downside to that attention that you got from um, that? No, always there's going to be haters. Like, the minute they get mad at Pedro, they start getting mad at you. Oh, no. Naturally. You, you would, that makes a lot it of was, sense. It would you would hear people yell at me, like in the stands, like he sucks, you suck, and I'm like, what? that doesn't even make sense. I don't. But it it, it was mostly it was mostly all positive. Even like when he was struggling in '14, people were still behind that, and they just thought it was fun, and I thought it was funny. When Nobody they released knows. Alvarez, I felt bad for Demetrius yeah. like, right away. Like, that seemed oh, like the man. thing, man. Everybody yeah. was like, oh, "What are you gonna do?" It was yeah. like be myself i guess i don't know go back to just <laughs> yeah. sitting there yeah. I mean, like seriously like, just 30 there. minutes later uh stocky called me andrew stocky from wta is like hey mm. we're gonna come interview i was like why <laughs> but I, it made sense it did but it, it's just funny that's all i've gotten are you gonna move like what move to baltimore what the hell of all places about? last yeah. season the second or third game we were at the same game, and I was sitting behind him, and I texted him and said, I thought you would have moved to first base. And he said, why would I do that? My seats are too good to be. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> I'm seven rows yeah, back, bro. Seats, so. <laughs> yeah. All right, so uh, with opening day less than a week away, let's get some predictions. Charlie, you want to lead off? Well, I actually did uh, some bold predictions upstairs, and I actually am predicting a first-place Pirates finish. But uh, 97 wins, I think. I think that they're going to I think that they're going to be – Solidly in first. So here's how I look at it. I look at it like the Cardinals are aging. The Cardinals are really aging, in my opinion. I think this is finally – I thought this last year, too. But I think this is finally going to be the year that the Cardinals decline. I think the Cubs had a great season last year, reminiscent of the one the Pirates had in 2013. Mm-hmm. While the Pirates did well the following year, they just there seemed to be a little bit of a like a growing pain sort of thing. And I think the, the Cubs, especially the Cubs, I think are going are gonna to deal with that. And the Pirates have this great mix of their veterans aren't too old, their young guys aren't too young. I think they're right in the sweet spot. I think that mm-hmm. I think they could easily win this division. I think a lot of people have already written them off for that. Hmm. Demetrius, ninety-seven wins. I, I would love ninety-seven <laughs> wins. I'm not going super low. I just ninety to ninety-one would seem you know feasible. It's the starting pitching that seems to be an issue. I don't think it's going to be a big issue. I just think that with the pitching that you're going to have out there, you probably want some more offense. And I don't know if we have that yet, hmm. especially with Gung starting not on not on a field. You have Freeze taking over, and Freeze wasn't exactly setting the world on a fire last year. Right. That said, they still can win the division. I do think the Cubs will be really good there, but I think there's going to be a point where everybody has their their breaking point. Bryant and Rizzo is going to be solid as usual, but there's going to be times where they all just kind of lapse, yeah. and their pitching hmm. won't be great either. 
but I, I, I and the Cardinals are I've written them off for you know three years myself. <laughs> and it never worked. It's got to happen. All right, Mike. So their two answers were both partially about the weakness of the division rather mm-hmm. than the strength of the team. What do you think about that? You agree? I, I do. Th- I honestly think that they're going to win because. They have to this year. It's so crazy that 20 years – they changed the wild card rules before the 2013 season. If the old rules had applied, the Pirates would just be in the playoffs the last three years playing five-game series with a shot. But who would have thought that it would screw the Pirates in the playoffs and then two out of three times they lose one game and they're done. Mm. So I think that urgency to – I think everyone knows – you can't come in second. You can't take right. a chance and face a, a Bumgarner or you know someone like that and just or Arietta last year. Um, the Cubs look incredible on paper if you look at them one through nine, but they're still the Cubs. They're the biggest <laughs> losers of all time. They haven't been to a World Series since 1945, and that's when they had like one-armed guys playing. And, you know, everyone out was out to war. Yeah. So that's in their head. I think they're they're just losers. They're going to keep mm. losing. They're going to have a good year though. I think they'll come in second. And I'd love to see the Cardinals fade. I think what Charlie said is right. They're getting old at the same time, but they're so frustrating. I think yeah. every year ah, they're done this year, but they never are. When they have a, they lose a pitcher, they they'll get a guy from AAA that's just as good or not better to replace them. And then the Pirates this year, I mean, they're starting to stock up at AAA. I like the way like Tyler Glass now is. Tyon's a little bit away, but they've got some good arms in the bullpen and in the starting rotation down in Indy, and they're starting to kind of look like the Cardinals, where if someone goes down, they can replace them. And I think just the urgency, I think they're going to win. I really think they're going to win a division this year just because they have to. They don't want to face another one-game series against, you know, just an all-star pitcher. All right, guys. Thanks a lot for joining me, Charlie Deach, Demetrius Thorne, and Mike Wysocki. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Alex. Thank you, Alex. All right, so our discussion went on for a while. So to see a video of the entire panel, check out our podcast page at www.pghcitypaper.com. Be sure to check out our Pirates preview issue for free in City Paper Boxes today. You can't miss it. There's an awesome illustration of Jung Ho Gung on the cover. Now let's head into this week's soundbite, in which Celine sits down with a wine blogger named Chris Bruno for some tasting tips. Let's go there now. I'm Celine Roberts, and we're here at the Market Street Grocer this week in the wine bar for soundbite. Chris Bruno has graciously agreed to come and talk about wine with me. He is a new wine blogger. His blog is called Wine Not, and he's visiting family in Pittsburgh from Rhode Island, so I thought I'd catch him for a quick conversation. Hi, Chris. Hi. It's nice to be here. I know that wine is a family pursuit for you. Can you tell me Uh, about that? Yeah, so my family had a small, but I think a proud vineyard. They were able to produce a couple bottles of wine that they could really hang their hats on. It was really nice because you were able to go into the house and anytime you were there, you just heard an orchestra of corks being popped from a bottle and there was always an event. There was always this beautiful, tough red smell in the air, and you could just tell there was a story happening. And your grandparents started that vineyard? Well, they kind of did by accident, really. They, um, they were sort of, you know, like family of farmers, and they one day sort of found these wild grapes, and it turns out that they were actually in very good shape. 
and they just sort of messed around with it and played with it and were able to find a passion in that red wine and were able to sell their passion to other people and people really started to to like it and they started to pursue that beautiful red wine that I think the world is starting to know now. So let's let's use that uh, family bread knowledge and take us into the tasting here. So what can you tell me about what we have in front of us now? So right now you have, uh, like we said, some multipulciano. So what that is, you have a, if you think of where those grapes grow, if you had a map of the boot, you have a, uh, from the center part of Italy down to the southwest region, that's sort of where they all grow. So if you think of that, you have a, a pretty, um, it's not a subtle grape, you know. So it's getting a lot of sun, it's, you know, the season's very long. And, uh, you know, so it's by the sea, too, so you're going to get a pretty different variation uh, the further you get away from, from the coast. And that is, that's because of the soil content? Oh, well, you know, the soil content's going to change with the amount of, you know, moisture it gets, with the amount of, you know, that, hum that humidity is going to be different to the plant. Um, you might get different salt, you might get different, you know, animals that are there. So the exposure is very different, and I think, uh, I think that's worth noting. So why don't you start us off with some tasting here? I'm, sure. I've heard that you have some uh, some really special tasting tactics to share with uh, us. Yes. Well, let's start off with the uh, with the with the simplicity first. Yeah. So we've got in front of us a confronto. So what that is, it's a it's a pretty, I would say you know it's a musky wine. And I think that word scares people. But what you really do is, you know, if you're gonna you know we we've had them open the bottles a little bit before we got here, so they were able to breathe. Most importantly. And, you know, we have ourselves, um, it's a nice glass of this, you know, could be bigger, but, you know, maybe that's for, maybe for me later tonight. But uh, right now, you're going to, you know, you want to, you know, give it some more air, you want to swirl it in the glass, as everyone's seen, and you want to smell it, obviously. And that's really going to give you uh, a taste of the acid, of how full it is, whether or not it's going to, you know, what's, what the end of the taste is going to do. So, you know, you want to start with that. And then, um, you know, what my family sort of uh, trick is, is we start to... So, what are you doing? I now? am actually flicking the glass. Um, it's, uh, people, people stare, but what you're doing is you're really trying to send vibrations through the glass down into the like, almost molecular level of the wine, kind of releasing it from, you know, the grape to wine. You really want to have that aroma exist, and that's sort of... I would do that. So you, get, you give it a shot. Okay. I might. I'm going to give it a try here. You can do it. Oh, yeah. That was better than mine. Here you go. I'm a natural. It must be. So um, can I yeah. taste this? Yeah, please. So you said musky and it definitely smells musky, but it actually, it, you know, it's pretty fruity as well. It's not what you would expect necessarily. Sure, sure. Do you, you want to side-by-side me and yeah. tell me if I'm right? Sure. Well, we'll do a little, do a little, wake it up a little bit, wake it up from its slumber. Okay. So there's a story I'm getting here with this wine. Um, you know, it's almost like if you've ever been to a beautiful old home, there's this sense of you're walking into a almost like a picture. It's this this old wine with this old story and this old book there. You know that 
that's the image I'm getting. It's a lot of old. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, you, there, there's almost like this sort of preservation of of of, of the history of the moment and that's sort of happening in the grape. It's very exciting. I'll, I'll take your word for it on that one. Let's move on to the second one. Okay. So we have I don't a, want to rush you. No, 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 no. It's all, you know, it's all, it's all sort of at your own. That's the great thing about red wine. It's all at your own pace. Ha <laughs> uh, ha. So we have here is, is a uh, Rezuvera. What we've got here is a uh, very acidic wine. Ooh, this is probably about the coast. Mm. And I actually have their cork here in front of me. This is a little trick you can do. Um, if you ever like are in front of some people who think they know what they're doing, you can really show them how. So get the cork that you open this bottle with. A lot of people smell the cork before they drink the wine, and I, I don't know. There's no real point of that to me. I actually give it a, a little, little kiss on the. Yeah. Getting intimate. With yes. The well, no, no, no. Don't want to be, you know. Not intimate. I would say more introducing myself to the wine, to the story. For instance, if this was at my grandfather's house, there was always this orchestra of bottles opening that pop 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 just bottles constantly just being uncorked and we would kiss all of them all of us we all just take turns kissing them and there was a real intimate honesty with the wine you're sort of becoming this one this, this one moment and uh, it's really important to sort of bring on the barrier between the consumer and the actual product so I'm just gonna give it one more. So what happens? Now you're biting the cork. I am. I am. Well, I mean, that's that's, that's more of a personal <laughs> flair of mine. Um, that's more of a. You know, you don't want to lose any flavor that's got you know in the middle of the. Trying to ah. test. Uh, April Fools here oh, from everyone at Soundbite. <laughs> this is uh, Chris McKeg, local Pittsburgher and drinking buddy of mine, <laughs> playing Chris Bruno, and me playing my ridiculous self. Oh my goodness! And many compliments <laughs> to Jill, our bartender here, for playing along. Straight face over there. Yeah. <laughs> Barely. 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 <laughs> Thanks, Chris. You're welcome. Not for nothing, but I love kissing corks. Thanks to Chris for helping us out there, and thank you, Celine. Live in your area, whole squad up in here like interior. You inferior, now you miniature. Yo, we about to rock like minerals. Anything you buy, I could have cop like ten of those. Anything I do, I see you try to do reciprocals. All hail the imperial. Put the fear in you, where you're hearing them. J to the, fill my rain out in Calcutta. Bring the pain like the cow. Okay, enough baseball and other frivolous shit. Let's move on to my interview with Josh Fadum. Josh is an actor and comedian and writer and whatnot, and he lives in Los Angeles. He played Liz Lemon's agent on 30 Rock. He's appeared on shows like Key and Peele and more recently Better Call Saul. And he was cut from the P.T. Anderson movie The Master. We're going to talk about that in a bit. This year, he released Space Jam 2, The Squeakquel, on YouTube. Let's take a listen to that. We need our help, Josh. The monsters are back, and they want to challenge us to more basketball. Seriously? What the heck is 
is wrong with those guys? They're me. We need your help. Why doesn't Aaron Jordan help you? He's busy. Come on. Will you be on our basketball team or not? I'll do anything for my friends. All right, here's my phone interview with Josh. He speaks first. How do you even know who I am? What did you see of mine? You know what's funny? I was, I was reading an interview that said that you asked them that too. Oh, really? That's fun. That's how you heard of me? <laughs> or maybe I'm, just, maybe no. I'm just, uh, not to be like, oh, I'm so humble or whatever. But I honestly am like, well, I don't know, even know how anyone who doesn't live in Los Angeles or isn't from like, or New York, I mean, I know a lot of people in New York. But anyone who isn't from Los Angeles or isn't from Oklahoma, where I'm from, knows who I am. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean it was uh, it was Thirty Rock, and then I just looked up your name, and then I started watching your YouTube videos, and then I followed you on Twitter, and it kind of just started from there. Oh, well, that's great! Yeah, I think anytime there's a, someone who uh, does like reach out or whatever, it's like, hey, I know who you are. It, it a lot of times comes from like 30 Rock and they saw 30 Rock reruns or I think also as as it's been off the air for longer you know I guess there's more time for reruns and revisiting and more people you know like that character and and, and find the stuff that uh, the other stuff I do on my own yeah I guess it started there and then I mean Space Jam 2 I think right. was the first time I think you know that was obviously this year did you oh. see that movie the first one in the theater um I I directed the first one, the one with Michael Jordan. Right. And Michael wasn't available for the second one. Um, and I thought, you know what, I think we still got a good story. But then we did where we were able to get him for a day to make that cameo at the end. Of right. The day. So that was really cool. And, um, um, yeah, and so me and my, I didn't direct the second one. My friend Nick Michaels directed the second one. What's that song that plays at the end? I love that song. The song that plays at the end of the it's this it's uh it's the song um hit 'em by the Monstars. Yeah, hit 'em high from Space Jam One. That makes perfect sense, you know. I should have yeah. done some research there. That's all right. It's hard to know. Yeah. Yeah. If you Google hit 'em, I think it's a legitimately good rap song. To be honest. Yeah, I mean, I've watched the video a few times, and every time I get really, I get jacked up at that end. You get jacked up, you know. Yeah. It's a, you should listen to it on the treadmill. <laughs> All right, I'm going to do an abrupt change of subject. Um, sure, let's do it. So, like I said, uh, you know, my interest here, I'm, I'm kind of trying to develop this idea. You're kind of like my pilot situation. I just want to see if I can do stuff that has nothing to do with timeliness or Pittsburgh or really anything. But I wanted to make sure that you didn't have some Pittsburgh connection. Uh, do you have a Pittsburgh connection? Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh. Let me check my phone. I like to put down everyone that I know in every place. Let's see if Pitts. No, I don't think I know anyone in Pittsburgh. I mean, if there's someone who's from Pittsburgh and they hear this and they say, Josh, you know me. Maybe maybe they moved here after you made the list so you didn't know that yeah, they lived here. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. I don't think I know anyone in Pittsburgh. I just heard that. I, I have heard the people in Pittsburgh say yins. Is that true? That is true. What does it sound like? Because I've seen it written, but I haven't seen it um, said. Let me think of a sentence. Uh, so if I were to say, like, what are you doing over there? I might say, what are you doing over there? What are you doing over there? Yeah, so what are you doing over there? Exactly. Oh. Technically, they say it means you ones, like, but that that's not really a thing. So I don't know why. What are you doing over there? So what were you going to say about Pittsburgh? I don't have any Pittsburgh connections. Yeah, I just wanted to make sure that, like, 
you know, if I was going to say, like, in the intro to this, like, Josh doesn't have anything to do with Pittsburgh. This isn't, he's not coming here anytime soon. But then uh-huh. if it turned out that, like, you've lived here for a bit or something, I just didn't want to right. be wrong. About oh, gotcha, gotcha. So, oh, that'll be like a warning. Hey, you Pittsburghian, this has nothing to do with Pittsburgh. Yeah, this is just for people who like a, people. a, a good talk. So no one's going to be listening and they say, what are you talking about on this thing? I'm waiting for the Pittsburgh connection to drop. I never heard you tell the story or explain uh, your part in the master. Can you just tell me a little bit about that? Oh, uh, well, I I um, was in it, and then I got cut out of it. And uh, I was playing, I played a guy. Um, you can still spot me in the background of a couple of shots. Um, but my main core part, my main uh, scene that I had shot was uh, cut out. But it was the scene where I was getting... Um, you know, audited as they call it, or processed or whatever, and it was with Laura Dern. And so you can see me very briefly in the background where the naked ladies uh, are dancing. Oh, cool. And, and you can also, there's a speech, I think, where Philip Seymour Hoffman is, uh, he's like, being, he's saying something like, I'm in love, I'm in love, I'm in love, I'm in love, or something like that, and yeah. you can see me sitting in the front. You can see my cheek. So that's, uh, that's about all that's left of me in that one. Do you play Adolf Hitler? Somewhat recently, uh, is that correct? Yeah, I played him on this show called um, The Crossroads of History on the History Channel. Okay. And the show's about, like, the, the uh, they take um, little, what, like, um, moments in history that kind of no one talks about that, that had, like, maybe devastating results or whatever. So, so I played Hitler getting rejected from art school, uh, in an interview for the second time, which is something that did happen, that he got rejected twice from art school. Yeah. Did you, I mean, was it a, like a reenactment? Did you have lines? Yeah. Um, I mean, it was probably, it was, I don't know that uh, the way that we did it was exactly how it happened, but it was a, an embellishment of, um, on, it was a comedic embellishment on uh, an event that did actually happen. Um, but again, that just came as that was an interesting story because that just came as like uh, Elizabeth Shapiro, who's the name of the um, the actress and writer who uh, created Joe. She kind of just contacted me and said, "Hey, do you want to do this short I'm doing?" And it was a short, and uh, and I was like, "Okay," because I like to do everything uh, that people ask me to do, um, and. And she wound up selling it as like a show and made like a whole bunch of them, you know. And uh, so, but I played the the pilot. I played Hitler in the pilot. So you said before that you you don't say uh, no to too many things. Is that a no? Lately, I try to say yes to everything, you know. Yeah. Is that just because you want to do everything, or or are you uh, afraid of missing out on something? Um. Good question. I don't know. I, I think uh, in the past I've been more of a snob and I would judge something quickly before I even give it a chance, you know? And now as I've gotten older, I find, you know, I think it's smarter and wiser to be open to everything, even if it's... Try to be open to everything, particularly if you're broke. Uh, um, even if it's something that you, like, might instinctually be like, I don't want to do that. You know, because maybe it's not your job to judge whether, you know, uh, it's not your job to judge, like, whether or not uh, something's good or not. It's your job to just try to make, to bring, to make it as good as you can. 
do you get interviewed a lot? Do you get asked the same questions a lot? Um, I don't know if I get interviewed a lot. I don't think I do, but I think I'm going to sneeze in a second. Okay. Oh, no, I didn't. I tried to look at the sky, and then it went away. So I'm in a no. windowless room, so if I were about to sneeze, I wouldn't be able to do anything. Right. You have, you have a light bulb in the room? Sometimes yeah, that works, it's too. It's like a fluorescent. It's really gross. It's not great. Yeah, but it could still pull that sneeze out, you know? Maybe. Well, we'll see. I'm telling you from experience, it could pull the sneeze out. If you're in, if you're in mid-sneeze and you're like, there's no sun, go for the light bulb. Get right in the light bulb and that sneeze will go right out. Wow. I totally thought it was just specific to, like, the rays of the sun. Really? How old are you? I'm 28. Oh, 28. Okay. Well, I'm 35. You know, I've lived. So I've lived long enough to know, you know. Yeah, in those seven I think it years. Was probably, yeah. Yeah. It was probably about 29, I realized, that you could look at a light bulb and, and get that sneeze out. Oh, wait, so, so I'm, I'm kind of ahead of you already. Yeah, well, because you had a nice mentor like me to be like, kid, look at the light bulb. All right, big thanks to Josh Fadum for showing me the light. He's not playing Pittsburgh anytime soon. As I mentioned, this really has nothing to do with anything. So I have nothing local to plug for the dude. But... If you live in Los Angeles, go see him on Tuesday nights at the Copper Still Bar. Or maybe it's just Copper Still Bar without the the. I do not know. Also, you can see him on Crossroads of History's pilot episode as Adolf Hitler and hopefully many more things in the years to come. Thanks again, Josh. Now here's Celine Roberts with What's Going On in Pittsburgh This Weekend. Jam out at the Rex Theater Friday with Pink Talking Fish. This band is a live fusion of Pink Floyd, The Talking Heads, and Fish, and they'll be performing Fish's rock opera Gamehenge while melding in the sounds of the other bands. Settle in for the long haul and dance the night away. This Saturday, Dorrance Dance comes to the Biome Theater to show audiences the history of tap dance. Historical tap is mixed with jazz, street, club, and experimental dance to create a modern interpretation of the art form. Feel the beat from the dancer's shoes into the tapping of your own toes. Hop into another era and donate money to a good cause at the Absolute Disco Fundraiser, Pittsburgh's only arts-focused LGBTQIA youth organization, Dreams of Hope, is throwing this party on Saturday at the PPG Winter Garden with live music from Etta Cox and performances from the Theatric Youth Ensemble. There will be auctions, drinks, food, and dancing all to support this great cause. On Sunday, there are more great causes to support, like Full Bellies. Chatham's Eden Hall campus hosts the Empty Bowls Hunger Banquet to benefit a cause near and dear to my heart, the Greater Pittsburgh Community Food Bank. Eat homemade soup from locally sourced ingredients out of handcrafted bowls made by Chatham students. Each bowl represents the amount of food a homeless individual has access to in one day. Eat a bowl of soup and help feed your community. I'm Celine Roberts. Get out there this weekend. All right, that does it for the City Paper Podcast this week. Thank you for listening. The show is produced by Ashley Murray and me, Alex Gordon, with Celine Roberts. Don't forget to tweet at us with your favorite moment from today's episode for some Pirates swag. Our Twitter handle is PGH City Paper. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. And we also now have a pom-pom page on Goost FM, so honk us and we'll be sure to honk you back. 
This week's MP3 Monday comes from a local artist, Jordan Montgomery. He released a debut record called Driving While Black in February. You can check out his song, Know My Name, on our music blog, www.pghcitypaper.com, and you can download it there for free. Additional music by me, Alex Gordon. If you felt strongly or weakly or somewhere in between about this episode, email us at aginquiry22 at gmail.com to let us know. Lastly, happy birthday to my big brother, Shmuley. He is 33 years old. Happy birthday, Sam. Tune in next week for more birthday wishes, interviews, and whatnot here on PGHCPPC. Thanks. Bye.